We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman, and we're here to break down the Indiana at Rutgers game on Saturday. Uh, Kicks off at noon on Big Ten Network. Uh, Both teams looking to get off the schneid. Uh, again, uh, Rutgers started the season three and zero. They sit at three and three, zero and three in the Big Ten. Uh, they've lost games to Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska. Indiana's riding a four-game losing streak, coming off a, um, a really tough loss at home to Maryland, a game that Indiana had won, um, or at least a really good chance to win uh, at the time, and and did not uh, did not come through. Uh, TJ, to me, this feels like a must, absolute must win for IU, uh, not just for bowl eligibility, but for, um, you know, the the health and, and for the good of the program uh, to, to go down to Rutgers um, and lose or drop you to, to three and five and um, heading into a bye week with very little momentum uh, or no momentum at all, uh, maybe even some negative momentum uh, and then uh, heading to I get Penn State at home, heading to Ohio State, Michigan State, and then uh, Purdue to end the season. Uh, just um, what is – I know it's not a nationally important game uh, and things like that. It's it's a noon, probably Big Ten channel, overflow channel four uh, game. But the the impact on the programs uh, it, it might have – how big is the, the, this game uh, just for the health of the IU program? I mean, you got to have it. And I, I think we, Rutgers probably feels the same way when you are matched up with each other, uh, given the rest of your schedule. This is always going to feel like a game you really need to have. You combine that with Indiana's lost four in a row after starting three and oh. Rutgers has lost three and oh, or uh, three in a row after starting three and oh. Both teams are somewhat in free fall mode. Indiana fired offensive line coach. Rutgers fired their offensive coordinator before their bye week. Uh, you know, it, they're, they're making adjustments, looking for something that will sort of re-energize and jumpstart where they are at for the remainder of the season. And if you go to Rutgers and lose, you're looking at the rest of the schedule suddenly saying, where are we going to find another win? You know, are we going to go 0 for 9 to close the campaign? And if so, you'd have 2 and 10 followed by 3 and 9. And at that point, you would have to ask serious questions about everything involved with the football program. 
um, if you're, you know, the athletic director, the university president, whatever, uh, because the results on the field would be, you know, just about as bad as they can be. Now, a win over Rutgers, you head into your bye week, you get one of those games back and move uh, move yourself back to 500 uh, and still have a contest against Michigan State, uh, plus, you know, the bucket game against Purdue. Look, would hope still be kind of faint? Absolutely. Uh, but there would be hope. And um, a loss to Rutgers, there is none. And I think you, you said it correctly, there'd be negative momentum. I mean, you would have, uh, you'd go into that bye week with two weeks to sit and stew uh, on what exactly are we doing here? And yep. that would be for the players. And with the transfer portal, you would wonder, you know, who wants to stick around and try and get this better and who wants to just jump ship? Uh but I, I think it's massive, yes, for this season, because like I mentioned, there there would still be hope of a bowl game. Uh, but second and the larger consideration would be the overall uh, direction of the program as you start to look towards the future. Yeah, and, you know, I'll reserve judgment on the season when the season's over. I, I think a lot of sure. people have jumped to conclusions. Um and it's fair to jump to conclusions, but I, I, I want to see how it plays out because it could go several different ways. Um, you know, if Indiana ends up with somewhere between five and six wins, even four yeah. and six, like four to six wins, it is a step forward. You won two Big Ten games and you kind of stable. I am stopped the bleeding a little bit. Um, right. And I would say you got the ball back rolling if if they end up in, in you know getting five or six wins. If you win five and and beat Purdue, I think people feel pretty good going into the off season on hey Tom Allen got this thing back on the tracks. We've got some stability, and you know we'll figure it out. You got the Darren Hiller problem has been solved, uh, and, and things like that. And you could go into the off season with some positive momentum. Uh, a loss and and you're right it's you you got to look at what uh, athletic director Scott Dolson and and president Pamela Witten want to do um, you know Tom Allen's buyout's huge and this is a program that does not invest in in football at, at to the point where if you're looking at 20 plus million dollars to get rid of a coach and then to um, go and find another coach and, and pay them. You would think it would be a five, it'd be a, probably a five-year deal. And you'd think four, at least $4 million a year, uh, another 20. I don't think that Indiana has 40 to 45 or $50 million in their budget right now to, to go get somebody who will turn it around or, you know, who will spark the fan base. Oh, we got our guy. Cause there were a lot of issues with, with hiring Tom Allen and, and uh, with certain people and things like that. But um, yeah, they need to beat Rutgers and, and it's um, it, it doesn't matter about if it's by one, if it's by 10 uh, it, it just has to happen. Cause going into the bye week of four and four, 
is significantly better than riding a five-game losing streak, stewing on it for a week, and then facing Penn – going through that gauntlet of Penn State, um, Ohio State, Michigan State, and, and Purdue. Even though Michigan State's kind of down this year, you're still going up there where they've won once since, you know, 2001, and that was in a, a COVID year with nobody in the stadium. But, yep. TJ, let's talk about Rutgers. Uh, it, they fired Sean Gleason, who – you know, when, when he was hired at Rutgers, it, it seemed like a really, really good hire. He was a hot name yeah. uh, coming out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he was a Princeton guy before that. Uh, you know, he he ran a, a really good offense. I know, I think IU had interviewed him either the, at the time they hired Kalen DeBoer or uh, promoted Nick Sheridan, but he was in the mix for the OC job at IU. So it's kind of shocking that um, – that Sean Gleason got uh, got canned after uh, after the Nebraska week, and uh, you know they elevated their tight end coach, who was the interim head coach uh, a couple of years ago when when Chris uh, Chris Ash got got fired at Rutgers. So Indiana has played him before, uh, and I don't think the offense. You know, talking to to Richie yesterday, it doesn't sound like the offense is going to change all that much, but Rutgers. I mean, they play three quarterbacks. They're probably going to play three quarterbacks. I was watching their season opener against Boston College. They played three quarterbacks on the first drive. Um, and, yeah. you know, one of them, Johnny Langdon is a tight end, but they'll line him up at quarterback. They played Evan Simon. Noah Vedral did not play that game uh, with an injury, but he should be back and, and playing against IU. And then Gavin Wimsett. Uh, is a guy who, you know, was a four-star recruit out of Kentucky, had lots of high hopes, and he was the guy of the future um, and things like that. But they have six passing touchdowns of total, eight interceptions. Uh, Where do you see this Rutgers offense going? Is this, uh, you know, they they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Well, Rutgers has three and a half quarterbacks, which gives them what? Yeah. Yeah. So Noah Vedral is the more mobile option, and based on what we saw with Indiana versus Billy Edwards last week, that's kind of scary. I'm sure that um, you know Rutgers with new offensive coordinator, uh, and I will probably mispronounce his name, Nunzio Campanile. Um, mm. Don't know how to say that exactly, but Nunzio is the first name, a very Jersey name. Um, I'm sure that they looked at that Maryland game and saw some success for Billy Edwards on uh, read option keepers and are probably going to try some of that with Noah Vedral. He can do some of that. Um, Evan Simon, sophomore that uh, has thrown the most pass attempts for them this season. And then, you know, Gavin Winsett, the, the guy of the future, they hope, only 23 pass attempts on the year. Now, uh, none of them have been particularly accurate. 57.7% completions for uh, for Evan Simon on six yards per attempt. The problem for him has been uh, the six interceptions on only 20 attempts per game. Um, you know, if you're throwing six interceptions on 123 attempts total, that's not very good. Uh, so there's potential there to uh for the iu secondary to to cause some havoc um 
I think the best part of this offense is their young running backs. Uh, Samuel Brown is a freshman that is averaging 4.71 yards a carry. It really is a running back by committee approach. They give carries to him. He gets the most of them, but uh, him, a sophomore, uh, Kyle Mungani, um, and then another sophomore, Al Shadi Salam. Those two combined for about 14 a game. And they're all kind of right around that three and a half to five yards a carry. Uh, and then, like I said, they will run you know, the, the quarterback a little bit with Noah Vedral. Uh, you might see Johnny Langan get in there and do some wildcat type stuff, uh, particularly in short yardage situations. So it's very much a pro style, slow, uh, deliberate paced attack. You're going to see two diametrically opposed tempos. Rutgers wants to shrink the game and have as few plays as possible. While Indiana is going to continue to play that up-tempo attack uh, that we've seen be successful at times and also cause some issues for IU's offense at times. So two tempos, who's going to have their way with that? Um, on, on the other side of the ball, the run defense for Rutgers has been really quite good this season. You take out the Ohio State game, which uh, I, I mean, it, it almost doesn't matter what happens against Ohio State. Um, you take that out, and they've been really good defensively, particularly against the run. Uh, their their defense and their defensive front is the strongest part of this team. So that's kind of interesting to see how IU's running game, which has been um, lackluster, to put it um, nicely. IU's run game going against a good run defense, while their secondary has – you know, giving up some uh, some big plays to opponents. So that somewhat plays into Indiana's kind of strength, uh, which would be, I, I guess, the wide receivers with the tempo. Um, and, and I think the running backs as pass catchers as well, because I, I continue to be impressed by uh, what Josh Henderson is able to do as a receiver out of the backfield. So I think there's going to be opportunities for the IU offense there uh, against this Rutgers secondary. But um, one of my keys to this game is how does Indiana's offensive line in game number two under Rod Carey, uh, can they create any type of consistent rushing attack against a pretty good defensive front? Yeah, even counting that, uh, Ohio State game Rutgers ranks third in the Big Ten, giving up ninety one point six seven yards yards per carry uh, per game per carry. That would be atrocious, um, which w- it wouldn't shock me with Adam Korsak as punter that if Rutgers if uh, you know the opponents start inside the ten and, and ran the ball ninety one yards per carry would make sense. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Rutgers yeah. Rutgers defense is. Um, you know, it's your typical Greg Schiano defense. They're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. Uh, they've gotten 10 takeaways. Now the offense is giving the ball away 10 times too. So they break even there, but you know, it, I don't know how, how much better it is than the Maryland's defense or if Maryland's defense is better than them. 
I would think that Maryland's defense has more athletes, uh, you know, better athletes on there. But, you know, Rutgers is in, in the passing game as well. They, they sit right in the middle at six, um, giving up, you know, less than 200 yards game through the air. It, it, and some of that might be due to, to Rutgers slowing the ball, that, uh, slowing the tempo down. So, you know, to me, it, it's Indiana's got to, you got to come out and you can't, and we've seen it all season, TJ, you can't um, not all season, but most of the season where they come out and there's a critical mistake early, Um, whether it's an interception or, you know, giving up a big run on defense. If Rutgers gets the ball first, that's, or, or, you know, a touchdown on the, on the opponent's first drive. That's what's uh that's what they can't do. And and we'll get into keys to the game here in, in a second, but you go back to the Nebraska game, Nebraska got the ball first. They went down, I think it was in three plays, scored a touchdown and really kind of, you know, controlled the game from there. Uh, momentum wise fr- from, from the opening drive, you go to, to Michigan and Blake Corum has the big 50 yard run. His, his only big run of the day against IU. Um, they go down and score on their first drive, seven nothing early, uh, and then against Maryland, you know IU needed a hot start in the first play of the game. They roll Connor ba- uh, Basilak out, and he throws a tip pass interception. And before ESPN two could even get to the game, you know Maryland's on the the nine yard line going in, uh, going in for a score, and. and putting IU, you know, behind the chains. I think at some one point late in the game, Maryland only had one drive for, four, you know, one drive over 45 yards. So, it's, you know, it, that's going to be the difference is, is can Indiana get off to a start, get a lead and, and control the tempo of the game? Uh, because if, if you allow Rutgers to slow it down, you know, the offense, Indiana's offense is a rhythm offense. I know a lot of people have issues with the tempo, but once it gets going and in rhythm, it's difficult to stop. The issue for IU is that they haven't been able to get into a rhythm all that much. You saw it in the first half against Nebraska, and then halftime came and really knocked them out of that rhythm. Uh, Michigan, too, uh, you saw in the second half, it just, you know, Michigan started taking away those short passes. But, you know, it's those how you start each half. So, TJ, let's go to keys to the game. You mentioned one key earlier. Uh, what's your other keys to the game on Saturday? Uh, taking care of the ball. Um, you know, the, there are lots of reasons why Indiana lost that game to Maryland, but uh, I, I think you have to look at the chief one being that uh, three turnovers, you know, two interceptions by Basilak and then a just crushing fumble. Uh, by Anderson Kobe when it it really looked like Indiana was going in for the the you know go ahead score uh, and then you don't get that and Maryland comes down and, and scores to put it away uh, so three turnovers for Indiana they had six in that debacle last year uh, against Rutgers that that allowed the Scarlet Knights to to pull away and make it an embarrassing final of 38 to three. So, you know, it was turnovers last year in this particular contest, turnovers last week against Maryland. Um, There was a couple of critical ones 
against Michigan as well. So I'm going to go with, with taking care of the ball and then forcing turnovers against Rutgers. This is a team that, as I mentioned earlier, not the most accurate of quarterbacks on either side. So which secondaries can make them pay for the mistakes that they, that they do end up making. Um, so I'm going to go with taking care of the ball and winning that turnover battle, uh, particularly in a game that, given the way Rutgers plays, I don't think there's going to be as many possessions as IU is accustomed to having. Yeah, um, and what do you know? It's another team coming off a of bye week that IU gets to play. I think yeah. Cincinnati or Western Kentucky was one. Nebraska was another. Uh, Maryland was another, I think. Um, no, it wasn't. They played Purdue. But it, there's at least three or four of them in there. Uh, Cincinnati might have been another uh, coming off an open week. It's Howard, those first five minutes, the first drive, uh, or maybe first two drives for each team where you're kind of feeling it out, seeing if Rutgers is going to do anything funky, especially with the coordinator change on offense and what they're going to do defense because they've had two weeks to prepare. And Rutgers needs this game just as much as Indiana does um, to, you know, to, to get back on track um, and, and things like that. Rutgers is, you know, sitting at three and three, they win this, they go to four and three and you're, you're sitting, you know, pretty decently with, you do have to go to Minnesota at, you know, their schedule is not, is not that easy either. So this might be the last gettable game for Rutgers as well with at Minnesota, Michigan, at Michigan State, Penn State, at Maryland. Um, you know, it, it's to, to get to four wins and then and then move on, it, it's it's vital. It, it's you got to get these the first two drives um, where you don't do anything neg negative uh, in terms of turning the ball over uh, on offense or giving up a big play on defense. Because you know Rutgers likes to get likes to do some some crazy stuff on offense. They'll run a wildcat. They'll throw three quarterbacks at you. They'll run reverses with Aaron Crookshank um, as well. And you know just for I just to settle into this game, it's not going to be a crazy crowd. Um, it's not going to be a crazy weather game. It doesn't look like just settle in the first two drives and, and then go to work. Because I, I do think Indiana has more talent than than Rutgers. I think last year, and nobody's talked about it really, but last year's game was a total embarrassment to this IU program that some of these guys were on that team last year. Maybe they want, I, I hate calling it a revenge game because it doesn't usually go well, but kind of want some redemption from that game uh, because that was rock bottom uh, so far of, of the, the Tom Allen era was getting just curb stomped by Rutgers at home. Uh, last year so my my first key to the game first two drives settle into the game uh come out if you could come out of it with a lead you're you're in good shape just no critical errors over the first two drives uh what's your next uh your next key to the game tj i was gonna say get off to a good start um i again i think this is a game that's going to have fewer possessions uh and be played at a slower tempo than what Indiana is going to prefer. Um, so if you fall behind, 
it's going to feel even worse than it looks on the scoreboard, uh, particularly against a Rutgers team that has a pretty solid defense. So if you spot their uh, you know, subpar offense, if you spot them early points and, and fall behind, it's going to be hard to get out of that hole. Uh, so get off to a good start. Um, my, my final one that I kind of want to point out, and I know that last year's game against Rutgers is not, I mean, so much has changed for both teams, but in that game, IU was one of 14 on third down, one for four on fourth down. Um, and, and against Maryland last week, uh, it, it's kind of been a theme that I've been watching sort of all season is how Indiana does on third downs. Uh, IU was four of 13 on third down. They did go three of three on fourth down conversions. So that's, that's a plus, but allowed, uh, if you combine third and fourth downs, uh, 10 for 19 for Maryland. Um, I, I just, I think that it's a continued issue that IU puts itself into third and long situations uh, and makes it difficult to convert on third down. They've got to do a better job staying ahead of schedule, which again goes back to finding some consistent success with the running game. And that's, you know, I'm not expecting five yards to carry all of a sudden, but if you can get that yards per carry up above three, you would, give yourself a chance on third down far more often than what IU is right now. Um, so that's kind of my, my final thing that I'll, I'll leave it at. Um, Indiana has got to do a better job of one, getting off to a quick start uh, and, and give yourself a lead to, to play with, which has happened so rarely this season. And number two, uh, do a better job of staying on schedule or ahead of schedule on offense that you have a chance to convert on third down. Yeah, that it's the third down and the average distance on third down. IU has always been significantly longer on third downs than their opponents. And that's, like you said, it's the lack of a running game. Um, it's missing on those short passes on first and second down as well, uh, where they, you just, you gotta, you gotta make the layups. And and that's that's the most frustrating part. And people could say what they want about Walt Bell and all that stuff, uh, but he's not out there catching the ball or throwing the ball either. So when it, there's an easy pass, last week they opened a game with an easy rollout pass, and they just you know goofed it up, and uh, and it went to you know for an interception. But you gotta get your, yeah. your first down efficiency much better. Last week against against Maryland um, the third down average distance to go and, and this is, goes to your point Maryland was 5.7 yards uh, IU was 8.4 on third and longs Maryland which is nine plus yards Maryland was over three IU was over three on third and shorts one to four yards Maryland was four of six um, IU was two of three so it's it's gotta be you gotta be more efficient on first down. I use rush the ball ten times on first down for five yards. Maryland rushed eighteen times for sixty one yards. 
And that's not like a great yards per carry for Maryland. It's three and a half. That's three yards more than IU carried the ball for. Um, IU threw the ball 23 times for 171 yards. The average first down game for IU was 5.3. But you got to get the run game going. You cannot sit there at third and eight on average and complete, you know, and expect to convert at, at the clip that you need to, to be successful. So, yeah, first down efficiency is, is mine, uh, is also my key to the game. Got to be more efficient on first down. Got to complete passes. Uh, there were eight incomplete passes on third down um, for IU last week. And it's just, you got to get those layups. Um, and then, you know, it, then that sets up the offense. Once you get that first first down, then the tempo can pick up and that's how it works. So, you know, that, I mean, we saw it under Kevin Wilson. You get that first first down and you're ready to go. And we've seen it time and time again. If you don't get the first down, you have a 30 to 45 second drive and you're punting the ball right back. Uh, and in this case to, to Rutgers, who's going to, grind the clock down and make this game as short as possible and control field position uh, because Adam Corsak might be the best punter in the league, um, if not the country. He's a tremendous punter. He knows how to use the rugby style. He knows how to hold on to the ball to let his coverage team go, get down there and things like that, uh, which brings me to my, my final key, TJ. You've got to win the special teams battle. Uh, and Rutgers under... Greg Schiano in his first tenure and in his second tenure, they are a good special teams team. They will block kicks, block punts. Um, they'll Aaron Crookshank is a good returner. Um, he, he could score from anywhere on the field as well, but you gotta make the easy place. You got Connor Delp has to catch the ball instead of letting it bounce and, and lose yardage. Sometimes a fair catch is just what you need. Go over, catch the ball. You don't need a 90-yard punt return. Would it be great? Sure. But you know what? Starting a drive from the nine instead of the one is a huge difference. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just those are the little things when your team is kind of on the margins uh, of winning and losing and losing close games and winning close games, you have to win the special teams battle. You can't have kicks kicks blocked. You can't let punts bounce. Uh, and, and all of those things. You finally got James Evans is is really, really good this season uh, and, and things like that. So put Jalen Lucas back on punt return or put somebody who could go catch the ball and get over there uh, because to me, Connor Delph's not it and Chris Freeman's not it on kickoffs either. Uh, you know, you can't kick the ball short and allow for big returns, which is what happened against Maryland. You, Octavian Smith, uh, was I thought ultra aggressive on returning kicks um, and he finally broke a long one uh, to start the second half that led to a touchdown so you know what put your best kicker out there with Charles Campbell his leg's not gonna fall off and if it does you could blame me um, <laughs> his leg's not gonna fall off let him kick it out of the end zone have them start at 25 and make Rutgers go 75 yards down the field don't give the don't give Aaron Crookshank a chance to break this game open. Just don't. You're playing with fire, uh, and you're going to get burned eventually. That's what happened against Maryland. 
And then, you know, you, you can't, I, again, Connor Dell, just catch the ball and, and think, make the smart play. And that's what IU hasn't done. They haven't made the smart play, which leads people to think that this is not a well-coached team or that Tom Allen and his staff are over their heads uh, and, and things like that. Just make the smart play. That, that's, I mean, that's the key to everything. Just make the smart play. Those hidden yards determine games. So, TJ, let's get into a, a matchup to watch. Which matchup are you watching on Saturday? Yeah, and I want to point out something real quick with the, you know, well-coached and undisciplined. And I see a lot of criticisms about that, and I, I understand it. I think they're valid in most cases. However, uh, the penalties part. Uh, now, the most absurd argument is, ever, because you know what? Yes. Nick Saban's teams are leading the country in penalties. So Nick Saban Thank is you. a terrible coach, and he should be out at Alabama. Come on. Thank you. Yeah, I and I was. I was going to point out that Indiana has had fewer penalties than its opponent, I believe, in every game so far this season. Um, now, some of IU's penalties have been ones that make you very frustrated, one being, you know, Devin Matthews getting a taunting penalty after a play which let Maryland out of what would have been a third and long, gave them a first down that they eventually scored on that drive. That's very frustrating, and that that makes you angry as a coach, I'm sure, and as a fan, yes, I get it. Uh, But by and large, penalties have not been what has caused Indiana to lose these games. They have played a part, as they do with all college teams, but you have to look at it in comparison to their opponents and in comparison to the rest of the country Indiana is no more undisciplined, if you will, than any other college team. And in most cases, IU does a better job than most with penalties. Uh, so your yeah, Indiana you know, sits thirty fourth. Indiana sits thirty fourth yeah. in in the country. So let's go to the bottom of the list. Number one thirty one right. is Alabama, coached by Nick Saban. Number one, seventeen against Tennessee. Seventeen. Yeah. And lost one, partially as a result of that. Number 121, Cincinnati with Luke Fickle, who is always in the running for coach of the year. Guys who want um, Kay Womack to, to take over for Allen. South Alabama is, sits at 113 nationally. Um, Tennessee with Josh Heupel, 99th. Uh, who else is in there? Illinois, 99th. Uh, Where's Purdue? Purdue's got to be in there because everybody loves Jeff Brom. Um, Purdue, 65th. It's like enough with the penalties. It's Yeah, I I get it. It's frustrating and it happens, but that is not the determination of whether or not you're a good coach. Um, Right. There are are legitimate, legitimate complaints about game management and about coaching with this Indiana program, 100%. Yes. I, I, I am really tired of seeing, oh, we got this taunting penalty, therefore Tom Allen's a bad coach and doesn't have control of his players. That it's just That's not reality. It's not the way that coaching plays out in the college game or in the NFL. 
Uh, no, it's if, one thing if, if your not. team is constantly getting late hits out of bounds or suplexing guys uh, and, and things like that, like all game. And I, yeah, there was one game that the, the flag happy refs kind of bolstered the numbers for both, uh, you know, Indiana and Nebraska. I think there were like 24 penalties that game, which is actually absurd. Uh, but it, it, the penalties didn't lose that game. If anything, it kept IU in the game. Um, yeah. What yeah. lost that game was throw was three three turnovers that cost you 17 points and letting a backup quarterback run wild. In addition to not fielding a punt uh, at the nine yard line, and you know, it, I mean, it, it comes down to the take turnovers. And guess who's not out? Walt Bell's not out there throwing passes. Uh, he's not out there making spin moves and dropping the ball. So I, I get it. It's frustrating. There are knocks on Tom Allen, like why Connor Delp is returning punts and things like that. I get it. That's fair criticism. But the penalty thing, I'm so, so tired of it because, you know what, by that standards, yeah, Nick Saban's a terrible coach. Right. Yep. Yep. On to matchups to watch. Um, my, my matchup to watch and I've, I feel like I could every week pick Indiana's offensive line just because it's been such a chronic issue. And, you know, there was some improvement uh, in the pass blocking department uh, this past Saturday. Basilak only sacked three times. I felt like it was a much cleaner pocket on a number of occasions. It's clear to me he doesn't trust it yet, which I understand. Um, I, I think he does need to do a better job of trusting the pocket a little bit and not bailing out on plays so quickly uh, or throwing off of his back foot fadeaway style. Um, again, I understand being gun shy. I get it uh, based on the beating that he's taken, but uh, there, there were definitely plays that could have been made that he bailed on early, believing that the pocket had collapsed when it really hadn't yet against Maryland. So that's one that we could always point out. But I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go to Indiana's uh, secondary, which has been very mistake prone uh, and underwhelming so far this season. I'm gonna go with Indiana's secondary against this Rutgers passing attack, which is not very good. This is an opportunity for IU secondary to one, get some turnovers, get some takeaways there, and two. Outside of Aaron Crookshank, there's really nobody that scares you in that passing game. They can nope. key in on Crookshank, take him away, and dare the other guys to step up and beat you. They shouldn't be able to. Based on what we've seen out of them so far this season, the other Rutgers receivers should not be able to beat you uh, consistently. One play, sure, but consistently, no. So I, I'm really hoping to see a really good performance from IU secondary make this Rutgers team one dimensional. And the way that IU has been able to play run defense against teams like that, uh, I'd feel good about Indiana's chances to have a nice day on defense. If the secondary can step up. Yeah. I'm going to go in the, uh, the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, TJ, I, I'm going to go Rutgers quarterbacks and they could play four of them against Indiana's defense. Um, and it's maybe it's more on the coaching side, 
but how do you yeah. respond to them using four quarterbacks and using Johnny Lang or three, whatever, three quarterbacks and Johnny Langan as a wildcat quarterback um, and things like that? How do you keep your eye discipline, uh, you know, good and on point to where, you know, if they do put Johnny Langan back in, in uh, the wildcat that he's not, look, he's going to get two or three yards because he is a big dude um, and he's tough to stop but he shouldn't be running for 50, 60 yards against IU, and he should throw the ball at all. Um, same with if Noah Vedro plays. He, you know, it, it shouldn't be a shock to IU's defense like it was last week when another person comes in and uh, and and uh, changes up uh, on offense. Uh, if we want an offensive uh, matchup to watch, TJ, for me, it's, it's Indiana's wide receivers against Rutgers secondary. And um, the hope is, is that DJ Matthews is one week healthier. He, he looked okay last week running the ball on that jet sweep, but he didn't play all that much. Uh, Emory Simmons had a nice breakout game. And then, uh, you know, camp camp opponents are starting to take camp camper away. And so somebody else needs to step up, which is where, you know, you have if DJ Matthews could be back healthy, that's another weapon. Uh, Emory Simmons, uh, if he could have another big game, would be huge. Uh, I would like to see Omar Cooper play, but he hasn't played since uh, since Cincinnati. Uh, mm -hmm. it, and it's like what it, it seems like they're redshirting him. I don't get it uh, because they need some weapons on the outside and he's shown that he could do, you know, he's shown the speed uh, while he was returning kicks. And then uh, Jaylen, get Jalen Lucas the ball in space, whether that's at running back, at wide receiver, uh, in the slot, get him the ball in space. You, you don't have to hand the ball off to him between the tackles against Rutgers defense, but put him in the slot, do some jet sweep motion, uh, stuff like that. Get get the Rutgers defense moving, open some lanes, Um and things like that. And, and, you know, if you could get Cam Camper, DJ Matthews, Jalen Lucas and Emory Simmons going, that's a tough four to stop. And you can't, no defense is going to be able to stop four guys. Uh, you know, you could take away one or two and then hope that the other two don't um, make huge plays. And then of course you, you hope to get AJ Barner back at tight end and, and he could be a weapon there too. So I, I guess it's Indiana's passing game. Uh, against Rutgers defense because they're not going to, I don't think Indiana's, like you said, going to run the ball all that well. It's going to have to be done in the passing game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think, um, you know, getting some of these other weapons besides Cam Camper uh, to be consistent threats would really open things up for Camper as well. You're right. They are starting to shade a lot of coverage towards him to, to take him out uh, as much as they can, which shows respect to Cam Camper and the type of uh, player that he is. Terrific pickup for IU there from the JUCO ranks, but um, getting some other guys consistently to, to make plays, and Emory Simmons is maybe starting to become that. Matthews, if healthy, we know he can do that. Uh, you know, uh, Barner, if he can get back, Lucas, uh, McCauley, even. Um, yeah. You know, there's the guys, guys that you hope to to start showing consistently what they can do, and that's 
that's up to scheme and it's up to um, up to the individual as well and to Connor Bazelak to to be more accurate with hopefully a um, little bit better pocket. We saw that last week. We saw some progress there. That's got to continue. That that progress has to continue for IU to have a, a, a decent offense. Um, turning to predictions, uh, look, I don't think this is going to be a work of art by any means. Um, this is two teams that are struggling, desperate for a victory. Uh, I, I think you could see kind of some kitchen sink game, if you will, uh, and from both sides, doing whatever they possibly can to get this win. I'm don't know why I'm doing this, and I, it's probably going to be terribly wrong, but I do think that Indiana is going to win on Saturday. And again, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as high scoring as what people may expect, uh, given a few past ma- uh, matchups between these two opponents. I think the way that Rutgers plays is going to cause some issues for IU uh, if their up-tempo offense gives the ball back quickly. You could have a Rutgers drive that gets one or two first downs, but takes off, you know, four or five minutes off the clock. That's not a quote good drive, but it will feel like one when Indiana's offense is on the sideline for five or six minutes. And if you give up the ball quickly after you get it back, you know, you could look at having only two possessions in a quarter. That could be really frustrating for the Hoosiers offense, but if they can keep themselves patient and take what the defense gives you, I do think Indiana does enough to get the win 24 to 20 over Rutgers. So you're saying that the team with the most points are going to win TJ? I am. I do think that the team with the most points is going to win. uh, And it would not surprise me at all to see this game get decided by a critical mistake uh, made by an offense that gives the other team the ball deep in territory. Uh, say, like Indiana did last week um, against Maryland on the first drive, giving it to the Terrapins, you know, deep inside of your own territory. Something like that, I think, is going to be the deciding factor uh, in this game between, honestly, what are two pretty evenly matched teams. Uh, for Indiana, they Whatever happens, they've got to find a way uh, to come out on top on Saturday. Because if you do, you said it earlier, if you do and nothing else happens this year, you win four games, argument could be made, hey, look, it was progress. I I don't think that the season can be determined just on a pass-fail grade. it's a scale, right? It's a scale, two and 10 being the bottom of that scale and something like a 10 and two being the top of the scale. And IU is going to fall somewhere in between that. They've already got three wins. So they're a little ahead of what two and 10 ended up being. Where are they going to fall on that scale and how close to a total failure is it for IU's administration to take a look at things? Uh, and, and make necessary changes if they determine that that those are. If you're three and nine, well, uh, by any measure, you would have to call that a total failure. Yes, you won one more game, but who cares? 
ultimately, oh, hey, look, you beat Idaho, and that gave you a third win. Congratulations. Beat it wouldn't Illinois. matter. If you win two games in the Big Ten and finish up with four wins or five uh, five wins because you won three games in the Big Ten, I think you could definitely look at it and say, hey, this wasn't good enough, but it's a big step in the right direction. And that's what Saturday is. It's a chance to take a step in the right direction after four straight losses, and IU's got to find a way to take that step. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a close game too. And I, I think they had the over-under at 45, and I hate betting unders because it's betting against fun. Um, yeah. But but th- this game screams the under, although it is going to be 69 degrees and sunny with a four-mile-an-hour wind in Piscataway on Saturday, which is absolutely perfect weather uh, for, yeah. for these offenses to do whatever they want. Um but uh, I think Indiana wins a close one. I'm going to go 24-21. I think Charles Campbell has a, uh, you know, is the difference. Whether that's, uh, you know, going up 24-14 in a, a late touchdown by Rutgers or it being 21-21 and he kicks a game winner. Uh, he's He's been a real weapon again this year and no reason he shouldn't be on the money on, on Saturday as well. The IU's offense does just enough. Uh, in the passing game to win uh, Rutgers, you know, it, it's, they fired their offensive coordinator. They're coming off a, a bye week which seems to be the theme of IU this year is they, the, your opponent fires somebody, they have a bye week to kind of collect themselves and then they throw something different at you. So I, how many points is that worth? Um, is is debatable. Uh, but I think this is a close one. I'm going to go IU 24, Rutgers 21. But like you said, TJ, it is a chance for Indiana to take a step forward uh, because if you don't, uh, I don't even want to say it's a step back. It might be you fall through the trap door uh, and, and the, the, you know, the, the rug gets pulled out from under you and, and things like yeah. that. It's not even a step back. It's a step down, I guess, or a, whatever uh, whatever falling through the trapdoor a disaster uh, you right say, yeah one, one would I mean, say you, you'd yeah. be in you'd be in free fall yeah uh, so it, it's yep. a chance to kind of stop the bleeding take a step forward and get into that bye week and get healthy for the for for the last you know third of the season so anyway thanks for joining us on the Hoosier huddle podcast uh, Indiana kicks off at noon at SHI Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey against Rutgers, and it will be televised on Big Ten Network. Uh, you can also listen to the game on IU um, Football Radio Network as well, uh, where whatever channel that is on your local dial. And if you want to listen to Don and Rhett on the call and watch it on TV, go to syncmygame.com. I've seen a lot of people asking that in our uh, on social media and things like that, but syncmygame.com is uh, – is that site. I think it works pretty well. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all uh, your lead up stories for uh, for game time. And and then after the game, post game, win, lose or draw. Well, there are no draws anymore uh, in college football, but win or lose, uh, we'll have all your post game content as well. TJ, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday morning. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy another college football Saturday. 
Yep, man. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good one. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.